1: Ted Rainey. All right, we now have joining us on the Sharks Audio Network. It is the head coach of the San Jose Sharks, Bob Bugner. Bob, what's going on, man? How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Um, like I said, we were talking about uh, having a little break and getting the team off to, uh, um, you know, we had a tough road trip to TN, to, to the, uh, uh, the schedule going into the break. And, you know, playing in that Florida and Tampa and Carolina and starting in Washington it was a tough road trip. And uh, we got our... Uh, you know, we went 500. We had a chance to be even better than that, but uh, um, you know, looking back on it, it was a, it was a good stretch of games for us.
1: Yeah, I'm just curious. You know, going right into that road trip, you'd found out about Eric Carlson. Then you've got Mario Ferraro going down, taking the puck to the face, and having to do two and a half hours of oral surgery. And you guys are able to walk away with that with four points. Now that you're a little bit removed for it, does it seem like more of an accomplishment than maybe it it was at the moment?
0: I think so. I think, uh, um, you know, the way we, the way we lost in overtime in Tampa, hurt a little bit, two minutes, uh, two, three minutes to go in Carolina from getting a point, uh, you know, you, you leave with a little bit of frustration, but, uh, you know, looking back, what we wanted to do. And I've said this for a long time is, is Make sure going into our break and coming out of our break, we're in a spot that we're in, we're in a hunt and we're in, a, we're in, a, you know, we're in the fight. And I think that's exactly where we are looking ahead at our schedule. Um, the teams that we're playing, uh, a lot of division games, um, you know, a couple of games in hand on some teams we're trying to catch. Um, those are all, you know, great things for us. And hopefully we come back restable. Some of these other teams don't get the break we have.
1: Yeah, no, that is a plus you guys have is you don't have as many games to make up, you get back at it with the 14th, So you get to have more of that break. Um, You know, just big picture right now on the team. How are you looking at things? I mean, there's there's obviously been ups and downs. And you know, you can tell me if I'm being too kind, but I I feel like the overall progression has been the team has gotten better month to month, which is what I think any coach would want to see. But I'm sure your view is probably a little bit more critical than mine.
0: Yeah, no, that's fair to say. I think that you, you know it's at this point in time, you know, you're a couple games over 500. Uh, you'd like to be five, six, seven games over 500, but uh, we have had a a pretty heavy schedule. Uh, we've hit some uh, some COVID blocks when we lost those seven, eight guys to COVID at one point in time, and that was before the league was adjusting to you know really canceling games. we were the first team that got hit hard with that. Mm-hmm. Again, we had a bunch of young guys come up and play and fill in in those situations, and we and we maintained that 500 hockey, which is great. You know, losing Carlson's is a tough injury for us um that's a it's a major part of our lineup out but uh you know all in all I look for small improvements in our game when you look at the analytics and and uh, um you know and special teams and things that we're doing things are going in the right direction but in saying that, we also know um you, you know, we're in a spot now moving forward that we can't afford to have a bad week or bad two weeks. We have to we have to really go on some runs here to to uh you know finish where we want to.
1: Yeah. No, and uh, you know, having only one road game throughout the rest of February is probably gonna be a big help for you guys when you get back. You know, you, you were talking about the COVID thing and it reminded me at the time and you're very humanizing when you talk to the media. You're very honest. Um, I remember during the COVID outbreak, you were very upfront and talking about how your parents have been out to visit you, and you found out that you were positive and they were staying at your place. Is, is that always been your style or did you learn that from your parents or different coaches about just kind of not blowing smoke and just being very upfront and trying to make things on the level with everyone you talk to?
0: Yeah, I think a few things. I think I, I did grow up uh, like that and it's, uh, um, you know, situation. I, I, I was you know, from Windsor, Ontario, blue collar town, and my parents worked extremely hard just to afford a, a chance to put me through the game and my brother. And uh, um, yeah, so I learned a lot from them. But just, uh, you know, the other thing is, is when I uh, when I bought the Windsor Spitfires in the Ontario Hockey League, not only was I coaching, I was the president, I was the CEO and I was, you know, working half a day in the business side of, of, the game and then the yeah. other half of the day I would go over into the hockey department and you know get with my staff and and work on the hockey part of it and I think as an owner and, and understanding the hockey business and how to deal with you know sponsors and clients and and uh, um, you know season ticket holders and media and all those other things you know you sort of develop your own style but I always thought that uh, providing more information and being honest and upfront, uh, even with injuries I have a hard time going into the media and saying lower body upper body <laughs> because you know they've all seen the guy took a shot off his ankle and, uh, you know, you're trying to, you know, you're trying to be honest, but you don't, uh, um, you, you can't divulge all the information. So those are things I think about all the time. And I think a lot of that comes from the way I grew up and the way, you know, and, and, and what I've learned from being an owner in, uh, in uh, junior leagues.
1: Yeah, I just always wondered about, you know, your own time having to fight for four or five years in the AHL and breaking out in the NHL if because you're very honest about players when talking to us in the media after the games. When you've sat guys, and you've had issues, and I'm just wondering if if coaches were or were not maybe as upfront about play style, or other things as, as you wished they were, or maybe you did hear things from the media where you said, "I'm glad I heard it that way." Maybe it would have been harder if you know my coach had said that to my face. Or is it just you know, like you alluded to, you're not gonna go out there and BS the media about stuff?
0: Yeah, I think it's a fine line because you know you don't want your players opening up the computer the next day or, or reading something um, that they haven't got that message from you. First, I think that the player is one thing I do pride myself on. And the thing as a player, what I didn't like is always guessing where my, I was at in my coach's head mm-hmm. uh, and in his mind. So uh, there's there's many times I have one on ones with players uh, that we have talks and, you know, some of that may be said in the media. Um, Some not, and you, you have to answer the questions honestly and fairly, but I don't, you know, I, I think I do a good job of making sure the players um, it's not the first time they see that or, or how they know what I'm always thinking and what I need. And, you know, we have a lot of one-on-one talks. We have a lot of leadership group talks. And then of course the team meetings on a daily basis. So, uh, um, you know, I like that back and forth and I want to make sure that's always, you know, that it's pretty transparent.
1: I was just kind of thinking back on your career, man. And, Like, does it ever trip you out? Like, you go back to when you were on the Greyhounds and you were like the same age as William Eklunds. But like, it's been nonstop for you at this point. And, you know, you've got 50 rings on the tree now. Like, is it is it does that something you think about like, wow, that went by pretty quickly. Like, I remember when I was this kid's age.
0: Absolutely. I think, you know, uh, we were down in Florida a couple of weeks or on the road trip and uh, my parents were down there and I was visiting from it on a day off in Tampa Bay. Um, and we are actually talking about that is it's amazing that, you know, I played junior, um, you know, or even in the American league was in the early nineties. I mean, it's 30 years ago. I was in the American league. It feels like it was 15 years ago. So it's flown by. Um, but yeah, I've been in this my whole life and, and it's something I love to do, obviously. Um, something I have a lot of passion for, but I like the fact that, you know, I, I, I played through the junior ranks in the American league. Um, NHL actually played in the East coast for a couple of months um, you know, and then after my career, I went back to junior. I rode the buses again. I learned a lot from being um, you know, an owner in junior, also an ex-vice president of the NHLPA uh when I was a player. Um, so I think the good thing about the style I have or you, you know, where I've come through as coaches, is you learn from people that you've um, you know, you've you've been in touch with in the past, and that's coaches and that's executives. Um, you know people that just you've been surrounded by your whole career and uh, um, yeah it's it's been a fun ride and hopefully it's not over.
1: <laughs> is is it weird when you're going up and coaching against former teammates you know guys that you know used to be the two of you out there either playing with each other or against each other and obviously in hockey tight circles you make friends along the way but then you know suddenly you're, you're opposing them and it's such it's such a different you know before you had control you could go and win you know a 50-50 puck or something like that or is now it's you know there's a friend who's now behind the other bench or part of that staff.
0: Happens a lot, uh, um, you know, and there's there's many guys that uh, um, that I'm friends with today that I used to play with. Guys that we used to fight each me and me and Craig Berube used to go at each other constantly, <laughs> or me and Brendan Shanahan used to every time we played each other were in fights. You know, and and everybody's sort of gone their own way. I have friends that are GMs and coaches and executives and. Uh, um, and people you work with. And and that's the greatest part about this game, I think. You know, and and there's other guys that are you know, the Kevin Weeks, the Jeff O'Neills of the world that are uh, doing very successful in their, in their media careers. And uh, um, it is a little bit of a brotherhood and you, you, always, uh, um, you always push and you, and you hope for the other guy uh, to do well. Um, you know, Roddy Brindamore was a teammate of mine and you just see guys having success in different areas of the game. It's always great to see. I think that, uh, um, you know, and, and it's nice to run into people a lot and you're working against people, with people, um, you know, and there's a lot of friendships out there for sure.
1: Did you see yourself going down this path as a as an, an executive or a coach? Or did you not really know what was next for you when your playing career was coming to an end? No, to be honest
0: with you, I always had it in my mind that I'd love to be a coach. And uh, um, in fact, it got to the point where at the end of my career, I was in my uh, mid 30s and I was playing in Colorado, uh, Tony Granato and Rick Tockett were assistant coaches of mine, um, you know, and I would sit there after practice and, and really spend time with those guys. Um, I wasn't always in the lineup at that point in time I was a healthy scratch in and out a little bit towards the end of my career uh, but it allowed me a chance to really sit down pick their brains um, you know I actually went up to, the, to, to their offices and got drill books because I knew I was in my last year and I was in the middle of negotiating the Windsor Spitfire deal and I, mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to coach so I really just poured my heart into it and tried to learn as much as possible I signed up for uh, Uh, The minute I retired, I went into a lot of coaches clinics um, trying to learn as much as I could network a little bit. So um, it was definitely something that I knew towards the end of my career. I wanted to stay in the game and coach because
1: I got to imagine it's it's hard for you right now with where you are this coach and you are dealing with professionals. But at the same time, you've got some young guys who are breaking through and that's got to be a really hard place to kind of find who you need to be as a coach because everybody wants to talk X's and O's till they're blue in the face. But you know, I think a lot of it is maybe just giving somebody that shot of confidence. I I can't remember it was Dolan when he scored his first goal. There was a shot of you on camera during the broadcast where he came up and you know you put your hand on his shoulder and you said something to him like stuff like that. Where it's like you can't maybe have that same impact on a ten-year veteran, and you also don't want to make the guy feel like he's not supposed to be there at the same time. Because I mean, clearly he's scoring goals in the NHL. He is. I mean, is, is that difficult?
0: It is difficult. And I think, um, you know, again, I always go back to my junior career, but my, the basis of my, I guess, my uh, strength of my coaching, I think, is development because I did it for so long in, uh, in junior. So I love to see young guys um, come up, get a shot and have success. And, uh, you know, you're so happy for them to see them, you know, finally achieve everything they work for in life. That's mm-hmm. a special. It's one of the most special things, I think, as a coach. Um, but you're right. I mean, there's not a guy on that team that I could say, uh, the 23 guys on the roster that I say this guy and this guy, I treat the same, or, you know, you can pull the same strings to get the best out of them. Everybody's got a little bit, even if it's just minute, there's everybody's got a little bit, uh, something different that makes them tick. Um, and I could say that with, you know, guys like Brett Burns and Carlson and, and hurdle and cooch, um, you treat them all the same and you hold everybody by the same standard and hold them accountable. But when you're on -on one-on-one basis, you know, there's things that work with one player that may not work with another. And that's really the key really to coaching and trying to figure out um, how to get everybody in that room on the same page, working in the same goal, uh, buying into the systems and, and being, you know, a player that can be unselfish playing for each other. Um, That's really the, the hardest part about coaching.
1: So it's probably got to drive you nuts when you see like a Noah Gregor creating all these opportunities and somehow getting denied. And you had the, the breakthrough against Washington and Dolan also scored in that game. So that must have put you on top of the world, being like, finally, these guys, and you use the term, you know, they get rewarded.
0: Yeah, no, I, and that's important for our team is, you know, the one thing that if, if, if you look at our team and you say there's a little bit of a weakness, it's, um, you know, our depth in scoring. And uh, so it's really important for for us to have contributions mm-hmm. from, uh, from the young guys that are there. Um, you know, for the veteran role guys that, you know, the Coglianos, Beninos chipping in um, from time to time and not having to rely on hurdle and and Timo um, to score every night. So um, that's really important for our team. So yes, for Noel Greger and Darlene and guys like that, it's, uh, it's crucial. Um, And we, and we work at it every day and, 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 you know, to see that finally uh, happen, I think is just, it's a great thing, not only for them, but our team.
1: So when the guys get back into San Jose here in a couple of days, uh, you know what's what's the first thing you broach? Is it about the opportunity the team has, or do you not put the pressure on them right away by talking about you know the thirty-six games because it's not you know you don't play thirty-six games at once; it's one at a time. I mean, how do you how do you broach the team?
0: Well, I think the first thing is is you know you're going to have that base of conditioning the first couple of days of practice, and and you're going to have to you know touch up on some systems and and a couple reminders. But yeah, I think going into the first game, it's it's about uh, you know where we're at. Um, what we need to have to accomplish in the second half here and uh, and how important every game is, especially uh, conference games, especially division games, Um, you know, that's what's going to make our hay. So, yeah, we have to, um, you know, during the season, you know, the first 30, 40, 50 games, you you don't want to put that kind of pressure on. But when you're down to the last stretch here, it's uh, um, it's even more important that we uh, keep our focus on 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 a game to game basis.
1: Right on, Bobble. I know you got stuff to do, man. So I will let you go. But it's been really fun watching this team improve, especially from where they were in October to where they are now. And uh, it's going to be fun over these final thirty-six games. No, oh, thanks. I really appreciate that. Again, that was the head coach of the San Jose Sharks joining us here on the Sharks Audio Network for the San Jose Sharks. I'm Ted Ramey signing off.